This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, 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 everybody. We got a special edition of Duffified Live this week. Uh, My voice may sound uh, upbeat and excited, but it's actually got a little bit of sadness back there. One of the reasons why is because we lost a uh, pretty prominent figure and character in the culinary world this week. Um, I'm talking about Carl Ruiz. I am talking about the Cuban. Um, Look, I did not know him that well. We uh, briefly, briefly, we met uh, a bunch of about a year ago, actually, uh, we had met. Uh, we had talked to each other for a while on Twitter, you know, uh, a couple of messages here and there, um, uh, became friends, uh, you know, through that weird world. Um, and I remember there was a time that he had taken a picture of stopping somewhere on the Jersey turnpike. And I sent him a message and said, chef, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to the Reading terminal market for lunch. And I was like, I'll meet you there. And he's like, I'm ready. So he shows up down in Philly, um, was coming down here for a podcasting convention with the boys from the Opie show and all that stuff. And we sat down and we had lunch and I ordered my typical Danick sandwich of roast pork and sausage and broccoli rob and long hots and sharp provolone. And he looked at me and he's like, dude, that's a serious sandwich. And coming from Carl, that was a big uh, that was a big compliment, I think. Um we became friends that day, and I'm really glad that we did. Um, conversations uh, here and there, check-ins, and and all that through this crazy world that we do. Um, you know, I got to watch the uh, uh, the the hashtag of Ruizing, the lifestyle of Ruizing up front uh, for a little while, and and that was really pretty cool for me. Um, but I, I remember having lunch with him that day and saying to him, dude, I really want to have you on my podcast. And he was like, whatever, dude, you let me know when. And we finally connected. We were able to get him on. And, uh, and it was really a cool experience um, to, to be able to have that conversation with him because we not only talked as friends, we talked as chefs and we talked as equals and we talked as professionals at the same time about some of the trials and tribulations of what it's like to be in this industry. And at the same time, trying to have some fun. Um, I was, uh, I had the luxury and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, the, the grateful uh, time at this point when I think about it to be able to stop into Carl's restaurant La Cubana about five days before they opened. And I was up there, I was shooting some stuff for Food Network. And um, as soon as I got off the train, I texted him, hey, I'm on my way over. And his response back was, I'm here. Um, you know, so I, I, I went in, I walk into the restaurant that wasn't yet um, completed. There were still construction workers around and there were bartenders behind the bar kind of putting things in place before they finalized everything. And I walk upstairs through this little maze of um, of steps into this New York kitchen, which oddly enough opened up into this grandiose space. And I ended up spending about two and a half hours there. Um, I walked in, I sat down, 
Um, you know, uh, Carl walked me through the line and he was at that point doing some empanadas and he was talking about his filling and how he ended up making a slurry to kind of put it in there and pull it together and some of the products that he put into his empanada dough. And he was just so proud of it. And, and, and he should have been. He, he had every right to be because it was absolutely delicious. You know, he kind of walked me along. He talked to me about some of the products that he was cooking. And it was just this really cool kind of chef moment for me. And then I walk over and, and he's like, sit down. And they're there over at the end of the kitchen amongst a wall filled with books and, and, and all that stuff just all over the place was a table with a cheesy like dollar store tablecloth on it. It was like a long folding table. And behind it were these cart, you know, these chairs, these folding chairs. And I sat down and Carl unleashed. He literally just unleashed food. Um, at that moment, I, I had uh, it was just me and him and a sous chef in the kitchen and I'm watching him create, I'm watching him put dishes together and talking to me about the individual dishes and kind of the historic, you know, the, the historical significance in a way behind it and his family and some of that stuff. And it was a really, really a neat experience for me. And, uh, you know, there, there's a time during those things when you really want to document the entire thing as, as a person like me. Who, who gets to travel and I share the experiences of that travel with so many people. And there was a weird part there. Like I kind of don't want to share this with anybody because it's such a neat experience for me. But at the same time, I'm out there with fucking Carl Ruiz. I had to tell the world exactly what was going on. So I did get a lot of it on tape and I got a lot of it uh, that I had posted up on Instagram. And I just found some of those videos the other day that I was able to post as, as my memories of, of Carl. And again, I, I don't want to say that I was one of his best friends and he, you know, we just, we had a, a really kind of cool relationship. I really liked him and respected him. And it's, it's a shame that he's gone. Um, so, uh, I want everybody to, uh, listen to this episode. Um, because this is my, this was my experience of getting to know Carl, even though it was on a media platform, we had a pretty amazing conversation. And I want everybody out there to know that uh, of the little amount that I knew of Carl um, and, and the friendship that we had had, that one of the things that I gained from him was really a, uh, a world of of not taking everything so completely serious, that we work hard and we get to play hard, that we, uh, that we, you know, we have to work at relationships sometimes and sometimes they don't work out. And, you know, we get to live after that and we get to do some really cool stuff. So, uh, so ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. I really am excited and I'm really proud and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, sad at the same time to be able to say that, uh, you know, I, I want to get this version, this this episode of the podcast out there to replay because uh, this is my honor, my homage to Carl, uh, because I just absolutely loved that interview. I think of the 110 episodes that I've done, Carl was in the top five of all of those, if not within the top three. Um, I really enjoyed the time that I got to spend with him and the culinary world, as well as Internet and Twitter and Instagram and all of that are going to have a void for a little while, boys and girls. We're going to have a void, but it's been really cool to see the outpour of love that people felt for him and respect that people had for him um, out there. And this is my way of hopefully doing the same thing. So ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. Uh, rest in peace, Carl Ruiz. 
uh, the Cuban. But uh, I got to get this episode back out there so that you guys can hear a pretty great conversation. So, boys and girls, welcome to Duffified Live one final time. Carl Ruiz. Carl Ruiz! What is up? My brother. How are you, dude? Good, man. I'm doing good. I'm, uh, you know, recovering from Thanksgiving. Uh, it's one of the worst. I, I don't have to tell you, you know, when you're a professional chef and you just, you, you got to look people in the eye and lie to them about their food. Um, it's, it's, it's a dark day for us. You know what I mean? Cause we're in the business of telling the truth and cooking the truth. And God, there's, there's some bad turkeys out here, man. Oh, you, my, dude, my mother, my mother fucking crushes it, man. Oh no! It's not the moms, man. It's the new generation that try to that try to come up. Like I walked into I walked into uh, a house on Thanksgiving and I saw the white Pyrex, you know, the cording wear. Yeah. And I said, I'm safe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a veteran in here. It's gonna be good. Yeah. But like, you know, I walked in someone's house and I see like, you know, like the the new rubs and the high tech wood chips and right. the, and the and the, and the thermometer probes, I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> when you see a five-gallon bucket with a sous vide in it, you know you're fucked. Oh, when I see a cheap fake Damascus steel knife on the table, I'm like, oh, no. This is going to be bad. <laughs> Dude, I just so, walked in, I walked 9th Street with my mother and my daughters on Saturday morning. And, and, right. and literally was joking around about knives that had camouflage on them. <laughs> my mother bought them for me. They're going to totally be wrapped this year for Christmas. Oh, that's a re-gift and a half. It's a, I don't know, man. I'm going to, I might keep it. We have a big joke about camouflage in my house. So I, I love wearing camouflage. You know, I started, I went, I used to, you know, I'm a New Yorker and, and, you know, usually I dress like a Saturday Night Live character, you know, all <laughs> tight black. I look like a, some urban wetsuit walking around like a real dork. Man. And, uh, <laughs> I, um, my buddy took me, I was in, uh, I was down South and he says, uh, we got to get, it's raining. You know, it was a barbecue thing. Let's go to, let's go to, um, what's that in that store? Not Cabela's, the other one in oh. Mississippi. I, we were, oh, in I don't know. It looks like a pyramid. It's like a, oh, it's like called a outdoor world. What? Uh, yeah. It's craziness. Right. Yeah. So I go in the store and I was overwhelmed, like all the different camos and the real tree and stuff. But I bought a raincoat, like a rain jacket. And Everything works on it. Yeah. And what I realized was hunters really, really care about things working on their clothes. Yes. Like the pockets and the buttons and the zippers. So now I walk around like I'm full-blown Jason Bourne, all hunted up. But my clothes work. It stays dry. I totally agree. Forever. And if I'm ever in the South or something, free pass. No one knows I'm Cuban. I get to move up to the counter. Sometimes I get a free shot if I'm wearing like Sitka or Kiku or like some real badass ones because they have their own Armani. You know, yeah. you just gotta find it. But uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. It works. And then I, you know, all the hipster clothes. You know, I put it on once. So I bang out too much Chinese food and the button breaks. Yeah, no I agree. Choice. I no am good. the. I'm the guy who, well, in my house, the big joke is if, whenever we see somebody in camouflage, like I saw a guy running the other day and he had camouflage leggings on with a pair of oh neon blue oh shorts over top. Oh oh and my that that and I, leggings with the shorts thing. Yeah. That's a big problem with me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm not a fan. I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I went to a store and I tried it because 
I was like, well, look, this is a great way not to look fat. You know what I mean? Right. And I looked crazy. Yeah. I looked crazy because I'm five seven. I look like an Oompa Loompa. It was so bad. It was. I was embarrassed for myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wear the I wear the compression. Uh, like the, the ones that go over your calves and your shins so you don't get shin splints. Those are good. But you use those because you're on a plane every three hours. Yeah. So you need those, man. Yeah, I do. I love them, though. Well, you're but a flip-flop I mean, guy. You're a flip-flop guy, right? You're like... If I'm you, a if shoe guy. No shit. I'm a shoe guy. I love shoes. I love boots. Like, those are my... I mean, like my favorite pair of shoes are Clark's that I bought for twenty four ninety five at at DSW. But I've also got a pair of five hundred dollar Gucci's that I love to wear as well. Right. But you know I'm what? They fucking hurt my foot. My foot. Oh yeah, I wear Clark Wallabies. Yeah, I still wear them. I love I Clark just, Wallabies. I mean, I look like that, you know, misadjusted, you know, librarian. You know, I look <laughs> crazy, but God, they're comfortable. They're just, very. Comfortable. I'm still a clog guy in a kitchen, though. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love clog thing. I'll tell you, Brian, I was, um, I wore clogs my whole career. And when I saw people, they started, remember when the, when that Crocs thing started? Oh yeah. Long time ago. Um, and I never got into it. So one day I was working in a kitchen and I wear wood clogs. I wear like big, like the SUV clogs, just wood nightmare, you know, Swedish clogs. So I'm at the bottom of the stairs in the prep kitchen and someone didn't anchor one of the fryers on the top of the stairs where the kitchen line starts. And I'm coming up the stairs with a, with a bunch of prep and the guy knocks over the the deep fryer and it, it jackknifes and the oil, hot oil starts coming down the stairs like a tsunami of oil. So it's me and a prep cook behind me. He's wearing, he's wearing rubber shoes, like those claw, those Crocs. The oil didn't get through the wood. The kid behind me, Third degree burns on the bottom sure. of his feet. Done. Career ender. That's done. it. Done. He was out yeah. for the season. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, dude, I wear steel toe. I wear as much. You know, the older I get, the more accidents I see in kitchens. I'm like, yes. give me a clog, man. Give I love me a clog. I'm gonna, yeah, they're the best. I love. And you know what? I mean, it, I I went to my. I mean, I'm old, Carl. I'm 47 years old. I went to the fucking or I went to the podiatrist the other day. Oh, I want to go to one so bad. Is it dude? Come to Philly and come see my guy. His name is, oh, is we'll, we'll go out to lunch. Right. We'll go to see Dr. Z. He's awesome. He's a great dude. Um, and he, his whole goal is, look, I just want you to feel comfortable. I, like, I just found out I've got arthritis on the top of my feet. He shot me up with my cortisone. He's like, I want to get wow. you good for the next couple months. Here's the proc- practices you have to do. He's really good. But my clogs are the key to the whole thing. My clogs, right. if I could wear them all the time, I would. But I can't. I can't. I wear, you know, I, I kind of wear clogs almost all the time. I wear, I just got these new Dansko XP120s and they're awesome, man. They're awesome. You know, there's a Dansko outlet out here in Philly. Is well, let me read for this stuff, man. It's like an hour west of Philly, but it's a nice drive out there. I, nice love, I love Philly. I, love, I, want, I was going to go yesterday. I was, gonna, I was down the shore. I, was, I want to go to the Knicks and get a sandwich. To I was talking to, I was talking to a bunch of chefs in New York and I'm like, hey, guys, you know, we've lost focus. Like, our little Italy's a mess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we were, New York is just being cleansed of so much real food and being replaced by, you know, these, these just, ugh. you know, well, it's, just, it's Disneyland, man. Like every restaurant's exactly the same. Like, yeah. it's just, 
I'm like, man, like, are all you guys, did you, all you guys buy morels this week? Like, everyone? <laughs> That's the thing, exactly. Everybody's like posting call the each same other shit. And they post the same stuff. I mean, I mean, the restaurants in New York City are getting so, I mean, they're so cookie cutter. I miss crab cakes. That's how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, what is going on? Like, you- and the plating with the foraging where, you know, it's like one piece of something over there. And right. then a sauce that's so little, I can't even, because they're using these little squirt bottles and I, and I can't taste anything. Everything tastes like those plate scrapers from Smuckers. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> with the three-pronged top. With the three, are you going to, are you guys going to reduce everything? I mean, like, is there, can I get a broth somewhere? Have you, so bad. do you get into Brooklyn much? I do get into Brooklyn, yeah. Okay. So over on Vanderbilt, there's right. a place called Alta Colidad. Oh, Alta, yeah, of course. Okay, so Akhtar, he was on the show as well. He's a, he's, the guy's fucking brilliant. Yeah. He does a queso fresco dumpling. Oh, wow. That, that you, you, you just stop. I mean, and it's like, right. where the fuck is this flavor coming from? He's Indian. I believe he's from Alabama, and he's a Mexican chef. And what? So, yes, and he does, he does a roti. With uh, uh, with fucking cactus on top of it, oh. and this queso fresco wow. sauce that goes over top that is just oh. it's the roti is just it's it's buttery it's light it's flaky with the nopalis over top of it it's just it's the shit it's oh, awesome I gotta check that out chef I gotta really get in there I gotta get in there and do some eating so what's your are you opening a new place I am opening a new restaurant on. Um, in Manhattan on 15th Street between 9th and 10th in the meatpacking district, or I'd like to fondly call it the Times Square for people from New Jersey. <laughs> what, what? So how many properties do you have now? Um, none. I none. sold uh, all my restaurants. That's um, what I thought. Yeah, I sold my restaurants. I got a divorce last year, and I go. just said, I'm going to start clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just going to cut bait and, uh, and move on. You know, Good. and uh, I mean, it doesn't help that the restaurants are named after my ex-wife. That would be kind of awkward. That's you know what I mean? So it was just like, uh, you know what? Let's just move on. I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to move on anyway. Clean breaks, clean breaks work for me. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of that sometimes. Other times, I like <laughs> it. I, because I'm like, I'm a friend guy. You know, like I right. wanna, I wanna, like I dated a girl for seven years. We lived together. We're back and forth. She was a cool chick. Like, I just talked to her this right. morning. But then there are other right. people that I just fucking block. Right. Yeah, I, I the older I get, the, the, I, I just don't have patience for the friendships. I'm just like, I'm done. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially when it's, I mean, it's 11 years, you know, doing restaurants with somebody. And, and uh, there's just too much emotion. And there's too much, you know, everything is just hardwired into that place. You know right. what I mean? There's no way to get rid of it. So it's just like, you know what, uh, I'm moving, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, I'm going back to the city. So what's your, so what's your, what's your background? Where did, where did you, where did you find this weird world that we live in now? Oh man. I mean, when I was, uh, when I was 11 years old, my, my grandfather, uh, he came up to me and says, come here, I want to tell you something. I said, what grandpa? He says, your mother and your grandmother keep telling you you're special. Uh, you're not. <laughs> that uh, your brother, now he's special. He's the special one. He's the special one. He says, um, 
you you should either learn how to cook or fix refrigerators, or if not, you're going to be in jail by the time you're 15. Wow. And I said, uh, I said, all right. And he looks at me again. He goes, it looks like you're going to be small. Refrigerators are heavy. You should just learn how to cook. <laughs> and and my grandpa went to the Chinese restaurant down the street and secretly paid them to give me a job at 12 years old. Wow. And just to keep me off the streets. Yeah. Sure. Because I was a magnet for bad kids. You know what I mean? Like if you were a bad kid, um, I grew up in uh, Passaic, New Jersey. Okay. All right. So I was uh, Passaic County just... You know, my dad had a tire shop on uh, on the one called Myrtle and Monroe, which was like a hotbed. You know, all the crack back then and all that stuff. It was tough. Yeah. You know, it was tough. So, so that kept me safe and it kept me busy. And um, you know, my you know back then they didn't they didn't drug you up if you had ADD or OCD or whatever the hell they wanted, whatever DD you had. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> right. So. You know, uh, you know, people would find outlets for you to burn that. So it was so good for me because there's so much happening in kitchen and there's so much disaster happening that it completely, you completely just, it, you're at peace when you have the, the, the way that I think I'm at peace in chaos. You know, if, uh, if I'm not in chaos, I, I, I'll, I'll create it. <laughs> so it's good to be in kitchens and it, it saved my life. Well, that's, there's, there's a, and it's so funny you said that, like when you're in the chaos, you're at peace. Cause I, right. I like if, if I'm not solving a problem, right. I'm bored. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I love dirty shifts. I like yeah. when things go sideways. I like when the printer goes down, I'm useful. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love, I love being able to tr- troubleshoot stuff. You know, I like out, I like outsmarting the, the problems in a kitchen. You know, exactly. that's a big part of me being a chef. It's, it's, you know, food is, uh, I think as you progress as a chef, when I first started, I loved combining flavors and doing this and all the, and all the, all that freshman stuff, you know right. what I mean? But, uh, you know, as I become a more seasoned chef, man, I love logistics and I love, I, you know, I love systems and I it's love, fuck food. yes. You know, and it's something that the young chefs, you know, uh, unfortunately, they're, they're, they still have to learn. You can tell by their menus. You know, I, I walk by restaurants. I'm like, you'll be done in a month. Yeah. This menu has no cross utilization. There's nothing in this thing. Like, I mean, you, you wrote a love letter to yourself, to your own talent. You didn't, you didn't, oh. you didn't write something that people wanted. And, uh, and I learned that, um, you know, I'm 43 now. I've been cooking for a paycheck uh, since I was 20. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. So, um, so, you know, this has paid everything, you know, this yeah. has bought me Mercedes. It's bought me a Rolex. It's bought me a divorce. It's bought me everything. You know what I mean? Sure. Everything in my life is connected to it. So, well, I, um, I, I love ahead. walking into restaurants now and, and I see a guy with a legal pad and I want to smack him across the back of the head right. with his clipboard and his legal pad and a fucking Excel file. Because oh, I'm boy. like, there's so many other ways to do this. Like, what is your system? Right. Where Because when you right. when you run a shitty shift for a long period of time, and then you have right. that shift where you just fucking crush it, because you know how many right. burgers you've got on the line, how many duck breasts you've got, you know how many quarts right. of sauce you have, you know how many fish flats filled with chicken breast, that there's 40 fucking chicken breast in every fish flat. Right. I'm cool with that. Right. right. I'm good with that. Yeah. I love it. And, I mean, I love it. I love, well, you know, like the first thing as a chef, you figure out Jewish holidays. 
You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like in New York City, you know, the, the Jewish culture, it's, that's the dine-out culture. Yeah. You know, they, they set the tone. Yep. And, you know, I remember I'm like, oh, no, I was a young chef. I'm like, I over-prepped. It's Yom Kippur. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know every <laughs> holiday for every religion. I can tell you when the, when a Christmas is for the people from Zanzibar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. because it's all about it's all about staging and it's like a war, right? Yeah. You have to have a supply line. You have to you know you have to have enough bullets and you have to have soldiers that are going to shoot. Yeah. And um, and as I get older, that's what I love. I mean, I could walk into a kitchen now, and so can you, chef. That just by the cadence and the clatter of the plates, you know, exactly. things running right. It's all about systems and it's all about that. And when you run a shift that is just that fucking clean, it's awesome. Right. You know, and you can take a Friday and a Saturday night off if you have to. Well, it's not, it, listen, you're not a chef if you can't. Yeah. You know, and, and I tell people all the time, like, you know, we, we're in the business of production. You know, we're in the, we're in the production business. You know, I tell people it's 1% creativity and it's 99% replication. Yeah. You know, um, and that's where a lot of people fall short when, when they can cook perfectly, but they can't make anyone else do it, you know? And that's, you know, you're only as good as your worst line. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're, if your brunch line is garbage, your restaurant's going to be garbage. You know, yeah. now remember we live in the world of instant reviews, right? So, you know, when I look at young chefs and stuff and I look at their food and, and I'm like, yo man, this is awesome, but can you make them? Right. Every day. Yes. I'm like, can he make them every day? He's like, yes. I'm like, how about him? He's like, no, I'm like, then don't do it. Then don't yep. put it on your menu, you know? Well, and, um, people, you know, you learn that the hard way, right? Chef, like you, you learn what you can make and what you can't make. You know, the, the restaurants that I open, they're not at a hundred percent of my cooking ability because that is the reason I'm the chef. Right. Right. So I'm not trying to Superman everybody. I'm trying to sell food because at the end of the day, the only restaurants that suck are closed ones. You know, yeah. you have to stay open. We're in the restaurant business, not in the restaurant charity or the That's look how show awesome business, not show friends. I say it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like we used to say in Brooklyn in restaurants, like, if it doesn't make sense, it won't make a dollar. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I always, I talk to my clients about the simple fact that I'm creating recipes that are replicatable. We've got to be able right. to replicate these recipes. You can hire me to come in and do this. You can hire me and I can create the greatest menu that you've ever wanted that will make all of your dreams come true with the exception right. of execution. Because exactly. if we can't create a recipe that can be executed, then you're fucked. And I mean, I have chefs all the time that I deal with and I say, you know, you can be the greatest chef in the world, but if you can't run a good food cost, you're a greatest chef without a kitchen to cook in. You know, you've got to still, and if for, if for any advice that I try to talk to people all the time, it's very simple. Understand the business of what we're doing, not just the process of what we're doing. You've got to understand the business of it. So, so what's your yeah. place? What's your place going to be? So let's talk shop. Let's, let's talk like two chefs opening a restaurant. So, so you know how like you, I, like I do a lot of interviews and stuff and they're like, Oh, you're opening, you know, like, how do you, oh, like, what's your inspiration and <laughs> to make money? And there, there is none. Right. right. My inspiration is survival and real chefs will tell you that, you know, uh, uh, your, your job is to survive in this business. Remember as a chef, we last longer than all of our restaurants. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so we're like, we're like, we're like a person that's cursed with immortality. We watch all our friends die. Well, that's what being a chef is like, you know, so many relationships I've had with restaurants, so many beautiful things and they go away. They just yeah. go away. Right. So, 
you know, you get to a point where you build things for survival. So I, 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 um, I wanted to open a restaurant. The people, these guys approached me, bunch of money guys. You know how it works in the back rooms. You know what yeah. I mean? Bunch of guys got money that has to get lost. You're going to help them lose it. Right? <laughs> so, so, you know, I opened 15 years ago, I opened a restaurant called Son Cubano uh, in New York City on 14th Street in Manhattan um, when the meatpacking first started. When we opened that restaurant, the rent was 18000 Oh God, uh, 18,000 a month. Uh, and that was high back then, but it's New York city and that's, that's what it's going to be. So we opened a restaurant and, and it was Cuban food, but I, I added certain things that I knew were going to work. I, um, I made really good drinks, really good rum based drinks because it's Caribbean and Caribbean drink rum and rum is sweet. Right. Number one, I hired all good looking male waiters and bartenders. And that was probably a master stroke back then because like every middle-aged woman was there just jamming. Right. I mean, it was packed. And one thing we learned in the restaurant slash club business is if you get the girls there, guys follow. It's just the way that it is. It's, you know what I mean? like, it's, it's the way that it is. You know, there's a reason, you know, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings struggles as a chain, you know, right. because they, they can't get that, you know, they just get the dudes and dudes yeah. are, Dudes are like, they're like goats. They, they, they eat the wing that, you know, every once in a while they'll get drunk and do a spicy wing challenge, but they're not going to, you're not going to up a check with it, dude. you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're right. But girls, you know what I mean? And when I say girls, I mean, just not, not only women, but people with that mentality, that luxurious mentality, you know, you can have yeah. men that way. You can have anything that way. You know what I mean? But, but for the most part, women, well, you can up a check. I mean, you, you make something blue. It's going to sell. That's that yeah. basic. I mean, this is inside baseball. It's just the way that it is. Yeah. And um, so I opened that restaurant 15 years ago, and then the Apple came and they bought the whole corner. Oh, yeah. And when Apple okay. bought the corner on 14th Street and 9th Avenue, it sent the rent into a spiral. And that's yeah. what people don't realize. You know, when these, when these big chains move in, the way they kill small restaurants and the way they kill neighborhoods is – they don't pay rent to survive. They, they up the rent. They'll pay whatever rent it is to kill you. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, that's, these small businesses suffer from this all the time. So our lease was coming up and Uggs, you know, Uggs, the boots, yep. Uggs came and they wanted our space and they offered the landlord 60,000 a month. Oh my God. And we got kicked out. Wow. So, yeah, and the place was thriving. You know, it was doing four million a year. I mean, sure. it, was, it was a great, it was a great little machine. Wow. So, fast forward fifteen years later, um, I see a space for rent, and the back wall butts up against the back wall of the Ugg store. Oh shit! And I'm like, so basically, I'm reopening what they took away from us. Wow, because that's fucking awesome. There's nothing there. So in the meatpacking district, if you're ever in, the, in New York City, in the meatpacking district, all the restaurants have fallen into this pattern where they make believe they're either in Marseille or the south of France <laughs> or they look like you're on Lake Cuomo. You know what I mean? But yep. there's, a, there's a large, you know, I'm Cuban. There's a large group of the demographics changing in New York. The workforce is changing, you know? Uh, you know, when, when, I, when I was in, on 15th Street, you know, 25 years ago, there really wasn't that mixed culture. There wasn't black, there wasn't Latin, there wasn't anything. 
You know, and now I walk down the street and a lot more people look like me than, than, than don't. Right. You know, the, the urban, that urban culture is, is really, it's doing well. Yeah. So I told the investors, I said, listen, man, this is a black and Spanish desert here. You know what I mean? Like, like my, my squad doesn't want to go and listen to violin music from St. Tropez. You know right. what I mean? They want to, they want to get down. Sure. You know, they want to get down. They want an honest price point. You know, we're trying to keep it in the, you know, mid twenties if possible. I mean, right. that's almost impossible in New York, but we're trying and, uh, and just give, give people what they want. And, uh, and, uh, hopefully it survives. Like we're gonna have live music, you know, all the stuff that's gone, Yeah, you know, all I agree. the stuff that, you know, like, uh, you know what? It bothers me. Like I was talking to my friend the other day, we were driving around and I'm like, remember when restaurants had names that made sense? You would see like Pam's piano bar and <laughs> there would be a lady named Pam and it had a bar and right. a piano. Yeah. So you knew exactly what you were getting, you know, right. or you would go to a place and, it, you know, it was called, you know, Hank's chicken and ribs. <laughs> Hank was there and they had chicken and they had ribs right? because that's the name. And they, know, sold they, they sold it until they until they sold out for the day. Right. And then, yeah. and then now it's, a, you know, now I go to places. I don't even know what it is. I'm, you know, weeping willows breadsticks. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't even know. What does that even mean? Do you, <laughs> <laughs> like how much of your personality do you want to inject into something? So I have no idea what you're doing. Like right. you know, chefs now their whole, the whole restaurant is an inside joke that, that yeah. I don't, that I'm not no, you fucking nailed it. That's exactly right. I, I, I say it all the time that, that the more, and this is, I just had this conversation because our first, the first episode I'm doing, I've got these cryptic, I've got these cryptic, do you have to explain to me what the dish is? Right. Do I need to ask right. you what, what the dish is? Do I have to ask you what the ingredients are? Tell me what's in it. Break it down real right. simple. And, I, and I've got a motto for anything, not a motto, but I've got a method for anything I do. Come up with a cool name. Tell me the, the, the protein, if there's a protein involved in it. Give me a method of cooking. Talk to me about three to four ingredients in the dish. And then tell me about the sauce, if there's one that's there. Like, keep right. it simple. I don't need to know what, you know, the life of zucchini means. No, no. Yeah. Or I don't need to know. I don't need to know that it's Sherwood's Farm Blossom. What is that? Right. What am I? Or here's I my favorite. Sherwood. I didn't let know you had a farm. Let me walk you through the menu. No, you don't have to walk. <laughs> just just leave the menu and go get my drinks. <laughs> but and just I'll imagine, like, imagine if Crest or or if you know Degree Deodorant or Johnson Johnson's Baby Shampoo. <laughs> imagine if they. If they were as cryptic as people writing menus, you wouldn't know what the hell right. to buy. You wouldn't You're know exactly anything. Right. You're, you know, and, and that's right. You have to look at like these things. Like, and I, I go to fast food a lot. I'm, I'm in. I one of the things that I do privately by myself, and I enjoy like going to the Philharmonic. Is I go to McDonald's, I go to Wendy's, and I stand there and I watch their production yep. because it's awesome. They nailed it's it. It's awesome. They mm -hmm. did, like when, when McDonald's came out with that new fresh burger, I don't care if you like the quarter pounder or not. I, that, that's not the point, right? The point is that they were able to pull this product out. And I went to, to McDonald's and I'm staring there. I'm waiting. So the way you got it, if you really want to watch the production, order a milkshake because it's always broken. So you can stand there for at least an hour while they figure it out. <laughs> it's like so, ordering a latte in a restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Forget it. You, you're done, right? Your Everything's cold okay. by the time you get it. 
Yeah. So I go and I'm staring at the production and they, they invented a new grill and a new system and it works on noise and lights like beeps and buttons and I, I'm watching this stuff and I'm like, you know, trying to have find a little things of this technology that can trickle down and make my kitchen better because they think everything out. I mean, the amount of production a fast food restaurant makes with the amount of employees is mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing how in the dark in the dark ages, you know, mom and pops are, you know, and every day as labor gets higher, you know, we have to incorporate some of these systems because yeah. we'll go out of business just based on labor. Yep. And, and these guys just every day, they figure it out. I go to like uh, in Jersey and in Pennsylvania, there's a place called Wawa, right? And they, crush they have figured out, they, ha- they have figured out how to make soup, breakfast sandwiches, taco bowls, and regular sandwiches all in a space that a high-end chef probably could make three chorizo wild boar sandwiches and a souffle. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, and, they, and, they, and, like, and they crank it out. But they, they crank also, it out, and it, to me, it's amazing. They bake their bread there now. They do everything. It's, a, it's completely vertically integrated, and I'm sitting there, and, and, I, and I watch in amazement, and I know that's the future, and I think, you know, as a chef, the biggest mistake some chefs make is, you know, they, they get wrapped up in their own melancholy idea of being a chef, right? They want to be like, they, they, they watch Ratatouille and they, they want to get all nuts, right? But the, the truth is, you know, you have to evolve with the times. You know, like yes. in my new restaurant, you know, I'm going to have two turbo chefs, those, those new ovens, because in a jam, they'll get you out. I mean, I walk into a Dunkin' Donuts and this oven makes a breakfast sandwich that's hot and crispy in 11 seconds. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got well, four guys that are hung over with bandanas just burning everything on the griddle. Right. Um, yeah, know? exactly. Well, have you ever taught? First off, first off, if you need anything, let me know because I work very closely with Turbo Chef. Well, yeah, I'm going to need to. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll okay. talk. Uh, we'll talk after the podcast and stuff. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, I need to know everything about him because I'm a, I'm a child when it comes to him, but I'm amazed. Well, you I mean, can program. Could crispy. They could make. I mean, it just takes. Listen, we all know. Right. The, the biggest problem in restaurants is the human condition, right? It, it, that's, that's our, that's where everything breaks, right? Like the ovens do the same thing. The recipes do the same thing. It's how they're approached. And, and I look at this fast food stuff, what they, what they end up making is not what I like, but the ability to make it at that speed is absolutely, it intrigues me. Sure. It, you know, it, it, it's just beautiful. It's, it's technology and it's unbelievable technology. I used to do my crab cakes in a, in a turbo chef. Cause you know what? It browns them, it heats them and it takes two minutes and it works with impingement yeah. air. So it's not even like you're blowing it with a microwave. It's an impingement right. air. So it really works well. I know them very, very well. And the cool part about them is, you know, you can sit on a plane and you can develop a menu and you can actually create the recipe, the cook time, the impingement, the, the way that the whole thing comes together on a computer, you put it into a stick and then you walk into your restaurant and you plug that stick into the front of that machine and it automatically programs everything for it. So there's some really wow. cool things about it. <laughs> Yeah, there's oh, some really cool, awesome. and whatever you need, uh, I'm here for you no matter what, whatever you need, but, yeah, so yeah. have you, have you ever touched the goose in the bottom right corner of the Wawa menu? No. Okay. So on the bottom right hand corner of a Wawa menu, there is a picture of a goose. If okay. you touch that, it opens up the secret menu. 
No. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter's taught me. What? How about that? My fucking 17 year old daughter taught me about it. Yeah. Yo. What? There's a whole secret menu in there. But what's, See, I'm a, what's in the menu? I mean, they've just, you know, I mean, it's a couple of the old school sandwiches, and but it unlocks like it's a really cool visual that starts to, I, I'm not even going to tell you any about it. You go and you do it and you'll see it. I'm on it. You see it. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I'm a meatball oh, guy. Just, I'm a late you just night. Set me up, you just set me up with a, you just set me up with a date night right there at Wawa. <laughs> well, I'm a late night meatball guy. Like I will get a fucking 15 pack, like 15 meatballs in the family pack. And I will fuck them. <laughs> I will deal with my it the next pleasure. day. If I told you my guilty pleasure, you'd probably hang up the phone right no, now. No, no, no. Because I want to no, talk about chef. some shit that I watched you do this fucking weekend that I was crying. Mm. Carl, <laughs> I was fucking crying laughing. So go ahead. What's your Wawa guilty pleasure? Um, no, no, my, my Wawa. Well, not my oh. Wawa. At Seven Eleven, you can get Chef Boyardee the raviolis and heat them up right there. They have a little plastic cup, and then I get a I get a buttered roll, and I literally feast myself with a mellow yellow. It's literally my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> the best is I was eating it one time, and some guy looked. Some guy looks at me. And I'm literally standing there, and I'm just eating in the middle of the. So I got tomato sauce all over my face, and he goes. Aren't you on the Food Network? Like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Fuck. He, goes, he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, what's your name? I'm like, Bobby Flay. I just walk out. <laughs> I am a, I'm a Waffle House guy. Oh, Waffle House. Well, first of all, if I could hire every cook exactly. from Waffle House, I would have an unstoppable team. It's what? It, they the best. They're the best. They have the most old school systems. Exactly. I mean, the, th the little things they do, like if you ever go to Waffle House, they do something that it's literally an old school French technique that every high end restaurant will do. They keep their eggs warm in a basket. Yep, above, and, and they've got a time and temp underneath it. They tell you when they yeah. were put up there, when they need to be removed. You've got a period of time, exactly. But those eggs, the people don't understand. Cold eggs make bad eggs. You know what I mean? And it, it cools down your griddle. And that's why things stick. And it's just such a simple thing. And to me, it's just such a sign of quality. And of it's, it's a six-foot. And as chefs, you know, like, like, in chefs, you know, like, you know, one of my first stage jobs, you know, overseas, the chef came out into the back. You know, we were all waiting to see if they would pick us to do a stage, you know, work for free in this kitchen. And he came out and he handed each one of us two eggs and he said, we're going to come in now. And you're going to make a colorless omelet. So I see like the French kids, they put the eggs in their pocket and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And then I'm like, holy shit, they're warming up their eggs. These, you know what I mean? I'm like, wow. And, and, that, and from that day I realized, you know, it's the subtleties between simple and spectacular, you know, it's, it's just yeah. these little things. And, and Wawa, and I mean, I want the Waffle House to go in there. And watch these guys, their mise, their mental mise en place. You know when to put the potatoes in, when to smother them, when to cover them, yeah. when to get the waffle started, when to get the eggs going. I mean, that's a giant menu for that little restaurant, and they do it every day, all day during fist fights, crack deals, uh, gun yeah. sales, whatever's going on in the dining room. <laughs> it's it just unfazed, and they just bang it out. I mean, and it's audible. I, they do it audibly. I, I saw someone eat from eat with their feet. They weren't handicapped. They were just eating with he their just feet. Just eat with their feet. Yeah. 
They're just eating with their feet. And, it, and, and no one's phased. No one keep me around. Would you like another orange juice? I'm like, this place is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's literally when I'm in the South, you know, you can't get me out of there. Or a Bojangles. There, I've, another one. <laughs> I've been to Bojangles one time, but the only Waffle House in near Philly is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I will literally look at my girls and be like, "You guys fucking hungry?" <laughs> and, the, and my daughter That's will look the at farthest me. Waffle House. That's the farthest northern Waffle House in America. Is it really? It's Lancaster. Yeah, dude. They're, and they, so, you know what? And they're great. They're just as if I was in fucking North Carolina. So, you know, it makes them very, very proper. I talked to a guy high up at Waffle House once, and, and they follow the, um, the highway corridor, the trucking corridor. Mm. So all Waffle Houses are based on trucking routes, and that's how they get all their stuff, and they move their stuff around and make it cheap. So if you, if you makes expand sense. a Waffle House map, it literally, it's a highway. It's, it follows three highways in the United States, and they're all trucking routes, and they get their stuff, no problem. Wow. Hold on. I'm pulling it up right now. Waffle house map. Oh, well, I should see it. It's crazy. Um, so I want to, so what was, what, what the fuck was up with you watching shopping network this weekend, dude? Well, it was black Friday Fuck. and I live in a cabin and (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And I love, uh, buying shit on TV, and I love watching it. I literally watch it all the time. It's unbelievably tacky and cheesy, and I love it. I know all the people on it. I <laughs> I call in. I mean, it's the best. Really? It's the best. Yeah, it's just so mind-numbing. You know, like, I, I get on, I, I, I turn on the TV. Either I'm a disaster, right? I'm a New Yorker, New Yorker so we're, we're in a big drought. There's nobody wins anything. Right. I mean, we've lost everything. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, imagine I was watching the Giants against the Eagles and I'm like, oh, God, like, I know how it's going to turn out. You know, it's like watching a horror movie. I'm like, everyone next to me is like, oh, we're going to do it. I'm like, just stop. Just <laughs> don't do it to yourself. <laughs> don't don't get don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five minutes in, I'm like, I told you. I told you. You know, so it's just I can't watch that because it's depressing. You know, the Giants are no longer in the NFL. Uh, the Jets are the Jets. I mean, they, they might as well play baseball. And they, um, <laughs> <laughs> my hockey team, I mean, the Jersey Devils. I mean, yeah. oh, God. Between the Knicks and the Devils. I remember I was a, I was a, I was a Devils fan until they won uh, the Stanley Cup, and they had the parade in the parking lot of the stadium. And then I couldn't do it anymore because I felt like this isn't a real team. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. My, this my, that's what my that's what my Pee Wee League did. I know. I'm like, dude. I had I had a parade in the same parking lot, like you know what I mean? for my for my softball squad. <laughs> how 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 is Marty Brodeur and Scott Stevens in this parking lot right now? And they're not freaking out. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm like, hey, uh, Scott Gomez, nice parking lot. You know, like, congratulations well, we, on the cup. <laughs> yeah. We had a, we had our parade last year. Oh, but you guys did it right, man. I, I was at the I was at the uh, game. I was at the game, and um, I, I was at the Super Bowl. And I, I got to tell you, I'm a New Yorker, but uh, I had to root for Philly. You know, you have to. You had to. You know, you I mean, to. it was you, you were, it was like Philly against the Death Star. You know, so it was just. And, and let me tell you, I, I sat in the Patriots section 
Um, and there was a lot more Patriot fans than Philly fans just because, you know, Philly fans are blue-collar guys, man. It's expensive to go to Super Bowl. It's expensive, mm-hmm. you know? And those Philly guys were outnumbered four to one, but they were seven times as loud. I mean, you would think, I mean, it was nuts. And we're sitting there, and as the game goes on, like 15 minutes into the game, you could feel in the in the stadium, Philly was going to win. Yeah. Like, it was in the cards. Like, the energy, the way they were playing, you know, Tom Brady looked looked intimidated and, and scared. You know what I mean? He was, I mean, I was close. You could, you could really see it. And I was like, all right, I hope nobody knows me here. So I get up, I'm <laughs> like, let's go, Eagles! Yeah, I was screaming. And uh, what a game to see, man. And, and just the Philly fans are so happy. What's good about the Patriots is they've won so much that they were grateful at the end. You know what I mean? They're like, congratulations. Sure. You know, it's because, I mean, they're a dynasty, you know? But the oh, State totally. Philly, and, and, and they're still, they're a machine. They're a well-oiled machine. Well, they have and the way that they play. Man. Plus, they I mean, you look at, dude, fucking, I mean, you look at Gronk and you look at Brady together. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know the way that they play is just unbelievable, and then and then the for Philly, I mean, we really like it was an it was an amazing Super Bowl, it was an, an amazing game, but when when right. Brady went in to catch that pass that he missed to go in for that touchdown, and then Philly right. came right back and Foles throws that you know they throw the the pass to Foles and he runs it in on the Philly Philly. And, and just like, fuck you, Brady, we just did this. We just did the same right. basic play that you guys tried. The whole I dynamic. took the wind out of the stadium. Took the it, air out of the stadium. It was, it was brilliant. I mean, and I, I was sitting in a basement in my aunt's house, and I finally looked over, and I said, you need to shut up because I need to finish <laughs> watching this game. Like, I love you, but shut the fuck up right now. I can't hear you talk. Just stop. It was a brilliant it's football game. time. <laughs> and we don't, you know, I mean, and look, like, you know, I was at a Flyers game last week. Great. And I love the Flyers. Gritty. Right. Are you kidding me with Gritty? With the the greatest, oh the greatest, the, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, mascots that's out there. They did a, they did a, a skit where this girl, random 21-year-old girl, goes in the back and she spins a wheel and and it comes up and it says Gritty Signature. He puts, he face plants her face and signs his name on her forehead. <laughs> like, it couldn't get any more disrespectful, but at the same time, you're like, I just got I just got tagged. I just got tagged. It was oh. fucking brilliant. Whoever came up with him, that was a brilliant, brilliant fucking play. Yeah, I love so. Philly, and so we were talking about before about Philly. You know, they're doing, you know, they hold on to their roots. They're holding on to their roots. I go there. I go to Philly for inspiration on food all the time because it's all still there. It's all still intact. You know, it's all still intact. And you know, the Johns and the Nicks, two of my favorite sandwiches on the planet. Those pork sandwiches are just lights out. I introduced you to a fun little one last time with the sausage, the broccoli, Rob, the roasted. Pork. Oh yeah, that was that was nice. You did. did it. I you, you, you opened my times? eyes. Hey. He opened my eyes. I respectfully said, thank you, chef. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I fucked up two of them Saturday on 9th Street. I went to George's. They just reopened, and I beat the shit out of them. Last oh, so I said I wanted extra wet. I want extra provolone all over the top of it. He brought it out. I was like, I need more provolone. Give me give me some more juice <laughs> in it. And it was dripping down to my elbows. That's good oh, shit. That's right. the way that I like to eat. I love it, man. Yeah. You do like to man. And you have to. And And... You know, and I tell uh, and I tell people all the time. I mean, I derive pleasure from eating simple food. You know, the older I get, the less BS I'm, I'm into. You know, and the, the more I'm like, I go to the old school stuff. 
You know, I'm like, oh, wait, you want to take me to a restaurant? How long has it been open? A week? No, thanks. Yeah, I'm like, I'm can you take me to the one that's, you know, falling apart that's been there for 50 years? That's the one I want to go to. Well, you know, because it's just the, the fundamentals are there. I believe in technique. I believe yeah. in technique. If you're going to grill a burger, I want a perfectly grilled burger. If you're going to griddle a burger, I want a perfectly griddled burger. I am not a, I'm not a, a second, third, seventh, 12th location guy. I want the original. Yeah. And we yeah, have sure. a luxury of being able to travel all over the country and check these places out. Like, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I mean, you're so how often are you out? How often do you shoot for food with guy? I'm out six months out of a year. I'm in California. Really? Yeah. So I'm in California a lot. Um, you know, we're on our 20th season at grocery games. So, you know, I've been out there, you know, it's like a second home. Um, and everything I eat out there, I mean, California is, uh, I mean, the produce, it's just embarrassingly good. You know, like, like you just go to supermarket, any supermarket, like out there they have Safeways and stuff. And you're just going, just eat an avocado like, yep. do, and do it New York style. Like just eat it at Safeway and just leave it there. Everyone's so nice in California. I'm, yeah. I'm literally like Darth Vader walking around like in California. Cause the Northern California was so nice. and They're not worried about anything. Everything's so beautiful that I just come and ruin everything. Yeah. You know, like, I'll eat everything at the supermarket. Like all the whole produce section is just unbelievable. Just the color of everything, the artichokes and everything is, it's a, even if you're not like a vegetable guy, like I'm not, I'm a meat potatoes guy, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy produce out there and I, and the way they approach it, you know, like, uh, the vegetable tacos out there are incredible, like with nopales and stuff like that and corn and everything, everything is just, it's like they turn the volume up and it's, um, I love it. And Chinese food out there is on another level. On another level. <laughs> Very deep coast. Very, yeah. like San Francisco's Chinatown. It, it embarrasses New York Chinatown. It, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. You need to, are you, you remember Martin Yan, right? Yeah, sure. So I did, so I've done stuff with Martin Yan for years, probably 10 years. He and I have done work for GE. And he always says to me, you come and you stay at my house when you come out here. You come and you stay at my house. And I'm not the guy who calls him up and says, hey, I'm in San Francisco. Can I stay at your house? It's just I'm just not that guy. And he gets mad at me when we see each other the next year. Were you, I, you were in San Francisco. Why didn't you Why didn't you stay at my house? I'm like, well, I'm not staying at Martin Yan's house. But he always says to me, when you come to San, when you come to San Francisco, you, you come, you're going out to eat with me. And that's so. So if, if you're out there, I want to come out. I'm going to fly out there and I want to meet you. Going out to dinner with him is, is unlike anything I've ever experienced. I could imagine. I could imagine. I mean, he might orders everything. Well, he explains to you why it, why it's, why he's ordering it and how it, how it coincides with the next dish and what the importance oh, wow. of this dish was to the history of it. And the first time that I had gone out to eat with him, we went out and his sous chef or his executive chef was with him, who's an American guy who does a lot of his stuff for him. And his wife was, with, not Martin's, but his executive chef's wife was with him. And she only eats like chicken fingers. So she ah. got like a bowl of rice and fried chicken. 
It was a fucking riot. We're literally like 40 plates are on the table and the wheel that the, the fucking lazy Susan that is just spinning. Like if it were going oh, any faster, you'd think so we were going to get pulled over for speeding. <laughs> it was just explaining every dish. And to me, that's the that's the way to go. But so are you God, I love Chinese food or how so you're out there for six months out of the year? Yeah, six months oh, out of the year. Dude. I'm out there. That's awesome. It's crazy. So, uh, yeah, man. I only use tacos and hang out at dive bars on the West Coast. Like regular the bars. They're just dive bars. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. But the cool uh, part about those, they've got, it's funny because a lot of the dive bars that I end up in out there end up being, this is a Jersey bar. This is a Philly bar. This is a yeah. New York yeah. bar. But yeah. you're able to stand outside and smoke a joint on the corner and right. not it's running. cool. It's yeah. totally cool. Like, yeah. like I, I, uh, you know, I mean, you see how I, I obviously embrace the marijuana culture. <laughs> and, you know, when I'm out there, I'm a little more confused and hazy than I am here. You know, <laughs> but uh, man, let me tell you something. Well, yeah, you're out there and you're living a life, and and I'm in Northern California and, and having access to Sonoma and Napa. And like all these great wines and the beers out there. I mean, the beer culture is crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, these guys are, you know, they're doing great stuff out there, you know, but, but what's funny is, and it goes back to the mechanics of restaurants. Uh, people always tell me, Carl, you should come up here and open a Cuban restaurant or do, you know, do your East coast stuff here. And I said, it won't work. Nope. And they're like, why? And I said, you have to understand for you to make something the most important ingredient is having the customers that eat it. Right. Right. So California is so far away uh, food wise that their little nuances, their little tri-tip thingies, their little things, that's what they want. Right. And we have no if idea what they are. Them, if you give them, if I start bringing New York Philly pizza to them, they're not going to like it. Because they grew up eating pizza that with ranch on it and chicken and you know what I mean? But that's their thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and God help them for liking that. But, you know, I don't agree, but it's a different culture. So whenever you, you do food or do a restaurant, make sure that the culture of the area is with you. Is ready you to know? do Because, yeah. like, there's, I, I've eaten out there at some Chinese restaurants. Like, uh, R&L Lounge is one of my favorite in San Francisco. They do a salt and pepper Dungeness crab and they take a giant crab and they coat it in salt and pepper and they deep fry it. Oh fuck. And then they just give it to you just like that. <laughs> so it's a hot salt peppered fried nightmare. Right. But I look around and everyone's ordering it and everyone that's ordering it is Chinese. Yeah. They get it right. Yeah. You bring that. I bring that into like a new hipster gastro pub or something. They won't know the first thing to do with it. Mm. What's the sodium that, level on that? Is that, that where was that raised? Me, yeah. That dish will cost me one Yelp star and 14 gift certificates the first time I bring it out. <laughs> have you, <laughs> have you done Than Long, the garlic noodle roasted crab place in San Francisco? No, I have okay. not. All right. So I'm going to send it to you. It's a Chinese restaurant. Okay. They have fucking General Tso's chicken, but every single table has garlic noodles and roasted Ooh. crab on it. And it's a full Dungeness roasted crab, and it's a big fat bowl of fucking garlic noodles. And, How good is that? And then there's an egg roll. And bottles of wine are of like twenty two to thirty dollars. 
Now I mean, how, how much Chinese yeah. wine are you drinking? But in, you as know, as I mean, much as I can. <laughs> exactly. Especially then. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's awesome. And it's a whole different experience out there. There's just a, there's a, there's a level of, of, of chill, especially that I find in Northern California, that's yeah. unlike anywhere else, because it's kind of like they're, they're more accepting of, of, of eccentric of lifestyle. Whereas on the East coast, you walk in wearing a fucking restaurant depot jacket that says customer on the back with an exclamation. <laughs> I was on a chair this weekend. <laughs> Dude, I was, I couldn't, I, I, I felt like, I felt like if I retweeted one more thing that you posted, <laughs> that you were going to call me and they'd be like, Bri, yo, back the fuck off, dude. No, 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 no. I was, I'm living, I'm living a good life. <laughs> I was fucking, cr- I'm laughing. I'm, I'm, I can't even get words out, dude. I was crying this weekend. The picture of you sitting at the bar with your arm around the person next to you. <laughs> started off the whole fucking the kill shot the kill shot <laughs> it, and i was trying to explain it i was talking to jerry the producer and i was trying to explain it to him and he was laughing his ass off and all i was doing was recreating a visual image of what i saw <laughs> so. your life man and let me tell you what you know uh, you know being a being you know the single chef at, you know, at 43 years old and on the east coast is pretty damn fun dude i'm 40 you know, i'm a single chef i know yeah, you get to eat whatever you want, like you know, just uh, and I eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and it feels great because there's so much stuff. You know, before I open a restaurant, I really get into junk food, and people ask me why. And when I say junk food, I just mean old school bars and this and that, and dive food and stuff like that. It's one thing I've learned in my career is I have to have a minimum. I have to reset my palate to what the average person eats every day. Yes. I think the biggest mistake people make is, you know, they, they, they have this high end palette and they don't have a low end. They don't have a baseline, mm-hmm. right? So they frown upon all this, but your customer chances are, um, are eating this all week before they come to your restaurant. Yeah. So if you don't have a thorough understanding of their salt level of their spice level, your food's going to come off bland as shit. You know, and I've learned this the hard way. Um, if I took the average customer that's going to come to a restaurant in New York and I took them to Paris, to an old brasserie, and I gave them the gold standard of whatever, escargot or whatever, they would think it was bland. Yeah. You know, they would think that it was uneventful or boring. You know, right. this is America. This is the land of transformers and fireworks. So <clears throat> everything is everything is kicked up a level. And now fast food is so salty. Um, that people are coming into restaurants and your food's falling flat for the simple reason right. that their palates have moved on. Their 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 ability the the ability for the average person under thirty to handle corn syrup sweetness is off the charts yeah. compared to when we were kids. You know, I mean, you ever try to you know you ever try like a factory made honey mustard sauce? It's sugar. Exactly. It's just yellow sugar. The, but, absolutely. And, Right. And my job isn't to bitch about it. My job is to adjust and, and compete, you know, for the flavor, Yeah. you know, because I'm in the restaurant business. I don't want to sit here and lecture people. I don't care if you eat straight cornstarch out of a vat. My job is to sell you food. Right. So, you know, I, I, I reset myself because my, my pilot's off. 
You know, my palate's, you know, eating foie gras and this and that, especially in California, you know, where it's a bunch of chefs where we try to out-chef each other and of eat course. nonsense all day, right? So when, uh, when you get back, you have to adjust. You have to adjust. Like, that's like whenever I give someone like a $400 bottle of wine, they don't get it. They don't get the nuances because they're drinking these sugar bombs at 15 bucks. Right. They don't see it. Yep. You know, they're like, uh, they're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have barefoot. <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you have a Merlot? Um, do you have a Merlot? Do you have a barefoot Merlot? Uh, One point five liter. Thanks. So you have know, you so. have you have you started dating as a forty three year old single chef? Yes. I, I find yes. it. I find it fucking heaven. It's very easy. Well, because it's very easy. Like I, one I'm, of the greatest. So I'm, I'm, if I was, like, I was a good looking chef, that would be completely. Oh, awful. totally. But I, look, I'm a short. I'm a. I'm five nine. I'm a short, fat guy. Yeah. So I so start off. That's our. That's our mo. That's our, That's how we're built. Yeah, you lost a lot of weight. I did. You lost a lot. I of did, weight. but I did, but I hike now and shit, and yeah. I have time for stuff. You know what I mean? Plus, you know, I'm going to be cooking again. Right. You know, so I can't. I can't walk into a kitchen. I can't walk in hot at two twenty five. You know, I have to be light. You know, sure. my knees don't work as good. People don't forget this is a sport too. You know, yeah. I'm You're you know, this is 12 hours on your feet and, and we're like athletes, you know, we have a time like anything else, you know, and I can't, I can't go in full of, you know, full of salt and all this because I'm going to, you know, I got that freshman, you know, that you get that freshman 30 or whatever they call that. Yeah, you know, when you open yeah. a restaurant, you're going to put on some weight because you're going to be testing all the food. You know, you're going to constantly be eating stuff that comes back to you. What's wrong with it? So, you know, my days, I'm really enjoying myself now of actually sitting down and having a meal because in a couple months, I, that's all gone. Yeah. I just eat all day. I just eat and stuff I don't want. Like, is that burnt? That's what I eat. You know what I mean? Is, is that yeah. braised? That's what I eat. Like, so for the next six months, I'm going to be eating everything that's wrong. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that... <laughs> I, cause I mean, I open restaurants all the time. I mean, with, with my company and consulting and all that stuff, I do it all the time. And I did, there was a period there where I was big, man. I was, I was hitting 280, 285 yeah. and I was yeah. fucking exhausted. I was exhausted, spent, man. I was going back to yeah. my hotel. I was out of breath. It was just horrible. Do you, yeah. are you, uh, are you a CBD oil guy or salve or any of that stuff? No, no, I'm not. And I, I use my friends tell me to do it. Okay, so what? Next time you're out there and and get it's called I don't know who makes it, but I got this stuff called Icy Pot, which Icy is a CBD THC salve that I put on my knees and my feet at the end of the day, and I could run right. a fucking marathon the next morning. No shit, it takes it's all the swelling down. It's right? an anti-inflammatory. Plus, I also take it. I also take something else called curcumin, which is a, which is a turmeric pill. It's a really high concentrate of turmeric. Yeah, I take I take I take turmeric every day. Yeah. and garlic oil every day. Yeah. Um, in the morning, I have psoriasis and stuff, and that's really helped me a lot. I, I, oh, I nice. take a shower with this with um, with uh, silver oil with silver soap. Yeah, and it's changed everything. Well, try know, some of this. I've got some stuff here. Two weeks younger than I than I am. I'll have younger. A friend of mine who lives in San Diego is getting me some icy pot. So I'll have some. I'm going to federal. I'm going to break all federal laws and I may ship. Oh, it to no you. problem. Cuban. There's federal laws are to us are subjective. <laughs> <laughs> like, so for Cubans, like if there's no cop 
present, <laughs> then you make the laws. Okay. So when there's a cop, down? then you bring it down 50%. Like that's how it works. It's like <laughs> we're, we're opening this restaurant and it's like someone like FedEx, the wrong stuff, you know, so we, I open it up and it's a bunch of stuff I don't need, but it's free. <laughs> so, I'm like, so, so my buddy's like, we should just put, I go, we should do nothing. This is ours now. We're like the sand people from Star Wars. Yep, you know what exactly. I mean? Like it doesn't matter. This. We take it. It's I have so much fucking, I have so many samples. I mean, uh, you oh, walk into my kitchen. I imagine. My daughter's, <laughs> when we moved this last time, my girl said to me, Dad, can we please get a set of plates that matches? I'm not shit, yeah. Carl. They just wanted a set of plates that matches because they didn't want all the sample plates that I had from my last restaurant. Like, you know, same thing with silverware. Dad, can we please just get like 12 forks that match? Can we go to Bed Bath & Beyond and buy 12 forks that match? So I bought 12 oh, forks that match. We didn't have enough forks. What did I do? I went to fucking Restaurant Depot a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, look, forks, twelve ninety nine for 12 of them. Oh, <laughs> they're made out of lead. Right, exactly. <laughs> just keep digging into it. So when are you opening? Uh... We're trying to shoot for end of February. Um, the kitchen's uh, the kitchen's being built now. Uh, the dining room's almost done. I mean, it's New York City. I mean, we have it's we have over six hundred permits pulled. Oh, six hundred. Jesus. Yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I understand they don't want you to burn their city down. I get it. You sure. know what I mean? But but I mean, it's just. It's unbelievable, um, and there's a reason why, you know, opening a restaurant in Manhattan is becoming something more of a corporate thing, because mom and pops just can't swim through all of that. It's yep. just, it's just impossible. You know, uh, it's so much regulation, and it's so much redundant regulation. You know, it's, it's just law on top of law on top of law. They don't take any laws off. They just keep making new laws and. and 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 codes and stuff and no one even knows. I mean, the chances are that you're in violation are like ninety percent, no matter what. Right. Yeah. There's they could find a rule to stop you at any point, and it's just over bureaucracy in New York. But that's where the people are, so you have to do it. You know. Yeah. And it's my first time, you know, back in a primary city in ten years. So I got to make it count. You know, like, you know, if you know, it's it's like building your new business card, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, now it's. You know, it's time for everybody to know me again and, and do the press, and that's where you have to be. Right. And then hopefully this will turn out into, you know, my, my second career and, you know, a nice, nice smooth sailing into the, into the sunset. Thank you. you know, until they find me, they find me uh, face down with a bottle of bourbon somewhere in Key West, and then we're yeah. all good. It's a wrap. <laughs> you know? well, we I'll, had a good I'll, run. I'll meet you we down there. We had a good run. I'll meet you yeah. down there. Because, well, so. you, know, you know, we, 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 we don't uh, – you know, we don't go away quietly. You know, we no. don't go away. Chefs don't go away on a rocking chair. You know what I mean? We don't. We uh, we go down in war. We die on our feet. So yep. I'm looking forward to it. I embrace it. It's the lifestyle that I chose, and and uh, and I'm going to see it through. That's good, man. Well, I'm stoked for you, dude. I know you got to you got to come for the opening. You'll be there. I would love to. We uh, we've got we've got some mutual friends with a couple guys. And I know you were down in Alabama with them with uh, one of the greatest humans that I know, which is Panini. So, oh, my gosh. Panini. You want to hear you want to hear something funny? 
Oh fuck yeah! Let me tell you about let me tell you about Alabama Justice. <laughs> I'll tell you about Alabama Justice. So Benini was on Grocery Games, and I was the judge, and he was competing, and I made fun of him the whole time. Yeah, and he's like, "I'll get you, I'll get you, I'll get you." So I'm in Alabama, and I'm gonna go do my demo at Oyster Fest, and I see him talking to the MC. Oh no! And I'm like, I'm like, ah, he not, he's not gonna do it. You know what I mean? This 500 right. people, he's not gonna do it. So the MC comes on the microphone. He goes, "Everybody, you might know him from Food Network, um, Chef Carl Reese, who owns a beautiful restaurant in Chatham, New Jersey, with his wife Marie. Oh God! And his two kids and his dog Max. I'm looking at Pete, and he's just smiling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I said that was low. <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> I have. I've traveled the world with him. I mean, we have been. I've been in Italy, Spain, Germany, fucking Guam, Cuba. You know, we've been all over the world together, and he is one of the one of the greatest dudes that I know. He's a Just, gentle soul, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's a, a genuinely good person, man. And, and yeah. but it took me a while to warm from because I, as being a New Yorker, I would trust nice people. Yeah. You know, I always think they're up to something. Right. But he was actually a nice person. Yeah. And, and it's so rare to find a genuine guy like Pete. Um, you know, he's been nothing but nice to me, supportive through every one yeah. of my things. I mean, I took him out, <laughs> we're in Alabama and, uh, I said, uh, let's go, let's go drinking. So he thinks it's funny. He thinks it's just on Instagram, like the right. wheezing thing. He doesn't know it's real. He doesn't know that I'm a professional racer to the bottom right? <laughs> every night. Like I race to win to the bottom every day. Like, if, you know, every day could be the last day. So people don't really understand it until exposed to it. So he thinks it's all fun and games. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, Ruiz in art doesn't look like a big deal to me. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right. Fast forward four o'clock in the morning. Pete's like, I don't know who I am. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where we are. I'm like, he's like, where's the car? I'm like, we sold it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're at this bar in the middle of Alabama. Uh, I'm teaching these 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 people from Alabama how to do the electric slide. We're smoking inside the bar. Pete's, Pete's on his third, ba uh, third bag of Funyuns, just trying to figure out what's going on. It was a nightmare. And then after that, he said, I will never go out with you again. I he, said, you can't, but you taunted me. Right. You taunted me, Pete. Yeah. And, and Pete's giant. I mean, he's he four is. times my he's size. He's 6'4", 6'5". 6'4", yeah. He's giant. It's like, it's like going out with, you know, with a Star Wars figure. <laughs> and he's just giant. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I got him good. Oh, I got him so good. The next day we had to, he had to do, we had to be at the, at the demo thing at 11. He shows up at three. He's like, that three is the best I could do. Oh my God. What was that? And we he looked were, like, is it drinking already? <laughs> yeah. oh, we were in Chicago and I was out there for something, I guess two years ago. And I get a text from him. He's like, dude, are you in Chicago? Like, yeah, I'm here. Where are you? Oh so God. he comes out and meets us at four o'clock in the morning. He looks at me and he's like, why am I in a dungeon with you? <laughs> we literally were at some bar that was a fucking dungeon. 
And he's like, I got to get oh the fuck out. I got to get the fuck out of here. He's like, I can't be here anymore. He's like, I was in my bed when I texted you seven hours ago. And I'm like, you shouldn't have awesome. texted me that. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's a quality. You don't call the pros. He's the best, man. He, he's Dude, terrified of bringing me on mess lords. He's like, you'll literally get arrested oh. by military police. <laughs> we, mess, lords is a, mess lords is a great thing. It's, it's a humbling experience, and it calmed right. me down a couple of times. But uh, I've had some fucking, I've had some, uh, I had a night with Stretch. You know Stretch. Have of you course, met, who doesn't know okay. Stretch? I'm just double checking. He made I some had, of those wicked hot sauce I've ever tasted in my oh, life. Oh, fuck. my God. Dude, he's a, he's a good businessman, Stretch. Yeah, he is. He's got a quality product. That, he's got a 20,000 square foot studio in the middle of Kansas City. That has every medium that you could imagine from art, from printing to painting to screen printing to a, a production, like a fucking kitchen to a to a to a carpenter's bench. Like it's fuck. And he drives a Tesla. He's a riot. He's a total riot. Um, he's a New Yorker. You know that he's a secret yeah. New Yorker. That's right. Well, so what do you he's what do you think about what's going on? I, I hate to keep hopping. What do you think about yeah. Jersey going fucking recreational? I think it needs it. This New Jersey needs to calm down, man. It's so intense. <laughs> I think it's so going to be great for here. Atlantic City. I know they've been talking about it for a while. I think uh, I think recreational marijuana in Jersey would be great. I have no yeah. listen. You you, know, uh, you you can't knock this weed thing. I mean, pot is pot. I mean, right. there's so many people killing each other on booze. Right. I mean, how can you look someone in a straight face and 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 knock pot? You know, right. it's just like it, it's. Yeah, listen, if it keeps five people from drinking and driving into a pole, then that's fine. Sure. You know what I mean? And I mean, at least, I mean, you, you make Jersey, you make pot legal in Jersey. I mean, maybe we'll get some good reggae out of it. I don't know. But it, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it'll, it'll, it'll just, it helps restaurants. So I'm all for it. I agree. Um, let me tell you something. As a, as a restaurant owner, I'd rather have a, a high customer than a drunk customer. Totally. totally. I'll tell you that right off the bat. Yep. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I know he's going to eat all night and he's going to be thankful, you know, and he's going to be fine. You know, a drunk customer is going to try to sleep with the bartender, then sleep with himself and get into a fight right. and uh, then, then sue me Yeah, because it was my fault. And right? the high guy wants to know fault. if the kitchen's open. The high guy just wants to know if he can get another pretzel. Yeah. Right. So that, so I'm, uh, I'm all for it. I, I would be, I would be, uh, it would be counterintuitive business wives. <laughs> for me not to be and <laughs> as an older chef I'm pragmatic you know if yeah. it helps the business I'm in for it let's do it yeah yeah I agree I agree alright Carl need, take it you need something I've Go taken ahead, up brother. a lot of your time a lot of it we had fun it was great talking to you it's good to talk to it's good to talk to to a chef that's uh, that gets it you know there's a lot of chefs you know anybody can call themselves a chef now they don't even have to have a restaurant it's so funny but yeah. they, but they um, it, it's just you know, we're a dying breed. You know, this new breed scares the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, they're, they're so idealistic and they, they, uh, they don't get the business of it. And it's, it hurts a lot of wallets. It breaks up a lot of families, you know, when you open restaurants wrong. Yep. I agree. You know, dude. People lose, people lose their life savings because they're listening to the dodo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta learn. You gotta, you gotta be a businessman first and then, and then, uh, and then a chef and you'll be okay. It's a, it's a new world now. You know, yeah. the, all that, that old hocus pocus doesn't work anymore. You know? I agree. The new world. So, Great hey, Carl, how do we, 
How do we get everybody to, uh, how do we follow you on your stuff? Because if, if anybody, I, they need to fucking cry the way that I was. This and these were tears Watch of joy. Watch to the bottom. Watch Carl to the bottom. Dude, it was like a 30 minute video of you watching a fucking shopping network. And I was crying. Oh, tonight we're doing Cyber Monday. Tonight's going to be good, but I'm waiting for tonight. Tonight we're doing it because uh, they got the swords on today. Oh, dude. Have you ever seen that? The YouTube video of the guy who has the katana. He breaks out the fucking katana and cuts it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about the guy that falls off the ladder? Oh, it's the best. Bro, but I watch QVC. I, I literally watch Home Shopping Channel, and it is it's just, you want to not think about anything. You know what That's I mean? It. And, like, and, poor, and I sit there, and I just think about the people buying it, because on the side, they have the counter. Yeah, yeah, it goes from 500 units to 200, and then the boom, then the doorbuster, then the penguin comes and jumps into the money, and we have like all this shit going on. It's just amazing. It's it's it it boils down what America's all about. We're just a consuming machine, Completely. right? Like to have a channel selling you stuff that you didn't know you needed 35 seconds ago, and now you're racing other people. Yeah. to get this amethyst and the stuff they say like you know the amethyst mine in africa is closed for the year you're like what <laughs> holy shit well, let's get on this, must get this. <laughs> yeah. i can't miss out on amethyst <laughs> so it's just uh i i truly just do it man just you know have a couple beers get some and sit and watch watch the shopping channel and i mean the stuff that you'll you'll watch marketing at its best man dude i am I mean, a all jokes aside, these guys can sell. I mean, yeah. these people are. Oh, I agree. I mean, we. I make fun of them, but the, you know, these these mouth breathers are moving units, man. Yep. They are moving units. Well, you look at David on QVC, dude. Are you kidding me? The guy, the amount that that guy sells. Oh, if you dude. put it in his, in his hand, it's just going to explode. My my yeah. problem is I'm an Instagram. I, I Carl, I have seven hammocks downstairs. <laughs> I have two children and a dog. That's six right. fucking months old. I have seven hammocks. I'm like, oh, girls, girls, here, look. What'll happen is if I ever get a girlfriend, she can have one. You guys could bring friends along with you. Plus, we've got an extra one for the dog. I have seven right. fucking hammocks in my hanging that's, in my basement right now, just in case. I honestly think that's a pretty good number. I think it's. I'm going to stop there. Yeah, I think you could stop there. It's not excessive. It's not conservative. No. I think you're right spot on. Good seven. It's less than ten, and I can still I less can have friends 10. over and have them you can over. Have friends over, and you can always get another one. I know. Well, Carl, anytime you want to hang in a hammock, I have one for you, my friend. See, see what I'm talking about? Perfect. Yep. That's how it happens. We got to chill in Philly, man. We got to get we got to get some beers and eat some sandwiches. I'd love to. You got it, brother. Go Eagles. Cheers, brother. Take care. You, do you guys get it? Do you guys see it? Can you guys feel it? The 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 personality, the the persona. The reality, um, the mentality of who we just talked to, that is a guy who infected the world. He, he made people laugh. He made people cry. He, he shocked people um, you know, with some of the things that he did and some of the things that he said and some of the things that he, that he cooked and some of the things that he, uh, that he wore all at the same time. Um, and uh, it's a little bittersweet to say farewell to a human being who at the age of 44 passed away 
Uh, Carl, brother, uh, you're up there, man, and you're doing your thing, and you are uh, you are making waves that I 100% know. You know, you, you you died a couple of days ago, but I got a feeling you're you're sitting down with uh, at the pearly gates, having a conversation with Saint Peter, uh, just kind of explaining to him why exactly you should be there, and at the same time trying to explain to him why you know why 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 you shouldn't be there. But I think you got it covered, and uh, boys and girls, let's do a really quick kind of moment of silence here, which is death in radio slash podcast. But let's take a real quick brief uh, moment of silence here for uh, Carl Ruiz. All right, that's enough moment of silence. Let's all go get a drink. Cheers, everybody. Have a great week and uh, get out there. Tell people what you thought of Carl Ruiz. He'd love it. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I invite you to listen to Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, Alan Lane, a.k.a. Mr. Black Moses. On Life in the Fast Lane, I'll be talking with everyone about everything motorcycles. If it has two wheels, and in some cases three, it's fair game for us. Road racing, drag racing, stunt riding, custom bikes, gear, motorcycle clubs. Everyone from pro racers, brand ambassadors, industry insiders, and celebrities to the rider from right up the block. You'll hear them all right here on Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, Alan Lane, a.k.a. Mr. Black Moses. Life in the Fast Lane can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 